If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. Welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. My name is James Gill. I am the MC at the multi-award-winning comedy nights, Always Be Comedy. I am joined, as always, by my comedy husband, Always Be Comedy's very own, Tim Lewis. Hello, Tim Lewis. Hello, James Gill. The Always Be Comedy podcast is where we sit down with a guest and they curate what would be their dream comedy gig. Who would open? Who would close? What sort of gigging nightmare that they've experienced must not, under any circumstances, happen at this fantasy comedy gig? It's all this and so much more. And by so much more, we often mean quite a lot of gossip. Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. Tim, I'm going to say it from the off. This one, this felt special immediately. Yeah, you you know who is. It's one of the greats. Uh, one of our all-time favourites, Joe Wilkinson. Joe Wilkinson turned up to... I remember Matthew McConaughey on Letterman talking about an NFL match, and he used the expression, oh, he turned up to play ball. <laughs> and, uh, oh, Joe Wilkinson turned up to play ball. Um, armed to the teeth, loads of great stories, um, great picks, lovely story behind the pick. Um, and Tim just one of the most naturally funny people. Yeah, absolutely. Like we said at the end of Desiree's episode last week, so self-deprecating, but just as funny as it gets, honestly. Joe Wilkinson is so successful, so beloved, so in demand, so talented. I could go on and on and on. To listen to him speak, you would think he was the biggest hard luck story in Europe. (laughs) <laughs> so that's why we love him. I, I'm assuming him. it's why we love him. He's honestly, if there is a common thread, look, oh, look, 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 real talk. ABC, we book Kevin Bridges, Romesh Ranganathan, Sarah Pascoe, Ashling B, on and on, uh, on and on and on. You know exactly who we book. The thing that all these guys have in common, and Joe Wilkinson, is self-deprecation. Yes, that is so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's that work? I don't know. <laughs> I I think it must be a thing about Britain as well, maybe, because you look across the pond and some of their biggest acts, they're less self-deprecating, I'd say. <laughs> well, the one difference between, just to sum up, what, to, to, to tie what Tim has said in a bow, one difference between American acts and British acts is that American acts speaking as an MC, hang on, I need to be really careful here. Some American acts really want you to say their credits before you get them on. So they actually want you to say, you've seen them in blah, blah, blah. They, they were in blah, blah, blah. In Britain, British acts would rather chop off their own head yeah, than have you say their credits. Oh my God, no, no, no. Bob, uh, Bob Mills, 
legend tells a story about an American act. I think Bob, yeah, Bob was emceeing, it was at the comedy store, and this American act gave Bob Mills, I think it was a laminated sheet, this is how you introduce me. And Bob Mills was going, mate, I'm, I'm trying to help you here. Please, I, I, for your own good, please don't have me read this out. And the guy's like, no, read it out. And Bob's like, I, I really think you're making a mistake. In Britain, it's we're more of a self-deprecating lot. And this guy's like, read it out. And it, it said something like, once in a generation, <laughs> once in a generation uh, comes a new sound. And then on the thing, it said, pause. And so Bob Mills had to pause. And then it said, a new groove. It was, like, it was like this. And then Bob's like, you know, please welcome, blah, 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 blah. And, he, and Bob said it went exactly how you imagine it to go. If there's one video I could find, it would be Bob Mills bringing on whoever that was. I just have seen Mills's face. Oh, God. <laughs> I lo- and I love that it had the pause written on. Just, oh, my God. Just, yeah, this laminated sheet this guy brings around with him <laughs> every gig. Joe, just and also Joe Wilkinson is someone who will go just to ram home the self-deprecation point. He'll go, um, "Yeah, I don't really know how to end a gig, so cheers," and then we'll walk off. He loves a just stop talking and walk off. No, no room for applause. No, thank you and good night. Absolutely not. And then, I mean, as you this episode, a few people make me cry with laughter as much as Joe. So what, what will often happen is Joe Joe will just walk off and then I have to uh, go back on, but the, the tears are still streaming. <laughs> Joe Wilkinson has a new book out. Joe Wilkinson, my autobiography, illustrations by the great Henry Packer. Henry Packer, bear in mind he doesn't really do stand-up anymore. I'll tell you what, mate, he gets some mentions on the show, doesn't he? Yeah, I because because we've been doing Joe's book recently, I've been thinking a lot about Henry Packer routines. And there's one I think about constantly, which is when you get into a long-term relationship, you just start TV club. TV club is what a routine that is. Oh, no talking. No, <laughs> no talking. Um, also, I... I bring up my favourite Henry Packer routine, and it's all about people who um, who say that they've moved out of London and they make it sound like it's the best thing ever, but what's obvious is the journey is horrendous, right? And it's a it's an amazing routine. To say I didn't do it justice, it, I, this has stayed with me, Tim. Not only do I do it justice, I clearly forget a couple of key lines, and and I'm just winging my memory of the routine. So I'd like to apologise to myself for misremembering a swathe of the routine. But uh, Tim, I would I would move heaven and earth to have Henry Packer back at ABC performing that routine. Yeah, honestly, can we just <laughs> let him do his greatest hit set with us? I would love that so much. He's just the busiest sorry. man in showbiz. Well, I was going to say, also, he's... P- partly through this pod, he's really there's like mythological status with uh, with Packer. Yeah, uh, the fer- very first episode, Josh Woodcombe, he he talks about him. Now, correspondence. Uh, Karen Donald has written in just to say how spooky it is how many of our podcast guests she has coincidentally seen live recently. Karen, let's keep this trend going. Please keep us posted. If we can keep providing these accidental through balls, it will be our honour. Kathy Rivett. 
writes in that she made the mistake of listening to the second half of a recent episode in a life drawing class and had to turn it off because she was giggling, which felt inappropriate due to the context <laughs> of the situation. Kathy Rivert, the fact that that sounds uh, like it was taken, uh, right, basically, if Miranda heard that, she would bring the show back and, <laughs> and build an episode around that situation. Pure sitcom. Kathy Rivert. Tell you what, Tim, Kathy Rivert, I wonder if she's written a sitcom because she's quite a comical character. That's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. She definitely, she definitely should think about it anyway. Kathy, write that sitcom. Jump cut to a couple of years. Kathy River picking up the BAFTA for the for the uh, for the sitcom. Kathy, get it written. Uh, and then also correspondence from uh, Tim, regular listener of the pod, regular at the comedy night. Louise has created a bingo card, and what this is, this is <laughs> the bingo card. Uh, if you follow us on the socials, we've put it on Instagram and Twitter. If you want us to put it anywhere else, we will put it there too. We'd, we, we'd be our honour. And Louise has put together a bingo card of all the things that we say regularly on the podcast. And Tim, I would say, I mean, one of them is Tim hits the nail on the head. I would say that Louise has hit the nail squarely on the head. It's spooky to look at. You're like, oh yeah, there it is. Where's that? Where's that? Football analogy, a Done great that. hang off stage. That that gets said. That definitely gets said in this episode. <laughs> oh mate, a couple of them really got me. Mensch, dude, uh, roofing the gig. That's the video clip. That's a new. I mean, that's a newer one, and I'm so guilty of it. Tim's <laughs> nodding. Yeah. Oh god, Louise. Honestly, this was. We love this so much because it's so perfect. Uh, yeah, just pure joy. So yeah, I, Tim. When I mean, what can we say about the bingo card? I would say any sort of. Uh, uh, I'm loath to use the word fan mail because have you ever, there's a, there's a, a Lee Mac DVD where he talks about comedians who use the term fan, basically saying like, "What are you doing, mate?" And I and it really stayed with me, and I really agree with it. So what what's what's the what's the phrase that I'm after, Tim? It's not fan mail. What is it? Pod mail. I like Podmail actually. I do like Podmail. If there's anything from the pod that inspire that is to inspire anything, I, 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 honestly, this this thing from Louise, this bingo card, I love it so much. It's Louise. I can't thank you enough. I look at every single square, my cheeks burn because, I mean, the Jen Brister one. Jen Brister gets as inspired. I find it such an inspiring person that that that. I mean, there's so many on there. Tim, did you have any other favourites? The Jen Brister one is bang on. Give... Ba she must get mentioned every episode. I think so. It's also worth saying that Louise came to an Ed Gamble preview this week and provided us with a framed copy of it. Now, what do we do? We keep the framed copy behind the bar at the Tommy Field. I think so. I think, yeah, so. I think so. And then we have our own copies at home, which we just tick off as we go through an episode. Record. I, I think it was Louise who said that she made it and then listened to the new episode. And immediately scored 12 off her own bingo card. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what's a lovely... There's a couple of lovely ones here, actually. Uh, John Kearns, of course, really, in reform of his life, getting mentioned on here. And Friend of the Night, which I love. Friend of the Night is probably the one that cut the deepest. <laughs> yeah. 
because we could have Genghis Khan on the podcast, and I'm sure I'd still endeavour to find a way to call him a friend of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, Louise, thank you. We're so, we're so grateful. We love it so much. Um, I look at it way too much. <laughs> uh, and yeah, as, as, as we put on Insta, and, and as, as it said on Instagram, sometimes you have to take that haymaker squarely on the chin. And uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a beauty. Tim, any other business before? Oh, yes. Please keep the five star reviews coming in. Um, we, oh my god, it helps so much. Uh, the, the shares, the retweets, and all of that. Uh, thank you very much. Please keep them coming. Um, and those of you who've come over to say hello at uh, at, at the shows, uh, it's, it's been lovely. Also, Tim, I wonder. We I don't think we we sometimes people who've never been to the night before because they live miles away. Um, I think there's some lineups that have happened and we just haven't even mentioned them on the podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. We, we put on, on four nights minimum a week. So, yeah. I mean, there was the recent, there was recently where we'd done 10 and then we had the Rod, uh, Rod Gilbert did two nights uh, recently. Harry Hill did a, a, a whip uh, recently. Sarah Keyworth, we put three work in progress shows on sale and they sold out within moments. Yeah. Uh, and then Tim, we we probably mentioned already actually that there was the show with uh, Joe Wilkinson, Rose Matafeo, Joe Lysett, Tim Key. I mean, there've been some absolute, there was the one with Paddy Young, Helen Bowish, Kumar, Ashling B, on and on and on. There've been, there've been some absolute monsters that we, I, I know we, we probably because it's not always time, but um, I suppose we're doing ourselves a disservice maybe by, by not mentioning some of the shows we, that we've had on. So that, that was a bit of a, a mini catch up there, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. What I'd say is our Instagram is very good for staying up to date with who we've had on recently. The corridor pick is something I'm <laughs> very proud of us having. It's our it's our thing. And you can see it on Always Be Comedy on Instagram. All one word. You know what? Yeah, if you follow us on any if you if you were to totally get people that aren't on social media i'm sure you're much happier for not being on there however if we were to pick out one thing to follow us on instagram is probably the the the, the one that sums it all up nice but uh, the, the best tim i think so it's i'm very happy with how i do a story of every act we have on that night and there's the corridor pick is always there love it captures the vibe doesn't it it does, and I'm very happy with the Mike Wozniak photo I took last night, which you can see right now. Tell you what, we've just put on a show with Joel Domert. It's it's coming up very shortly, Monday the 27th of November. It's just £9. If you, if you use the code STU, STU, there are some there are some very limited £7 tickets available. How's that, Tim, for the podcasters? Look, that's a lovely deal for them. Yeah, get on that. We've ba we've basically what's happened is jo Jolie D, the the family has uh, grown by one. I'm not really. I mean, I think I can say that. He's, he's put it on socials. It's, it's public. It's public. And so, Joel loves always be comedy, and at the same time, as you can imagine, for a new dad, getting out of the house isn't as easy as it used to be <laughs> and so we've put this show on it as a, as we say very short notice so monday the 27th of november one of the best uh joel domert doors 7 45 for an 8 p.m start 
Um, right then, uh, we will bring on, as Tim says, one of our absolute, uh, as with Joel, one of our absolute favourites. Here he is, the maestro, Joe Wilkinson. <laughs> Uh, right then, we are, we're joined by one of our absolute favourites, someone who's been with us. You say uh, it to everyone, James. We do. I we don't do believe not, the word. <laughs> we do not regular listeners going, you, you do, James. Um, <laughs> but we all love it. Thank you. But you know what? You know, it's authentic. You know, you know, we mean it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. It's you're. Um... Sorry, I've ruined the start. Do you want to do it again? All I will say is it, it means a lot to all of us. You come away going, I like James supporting me. It means the world. It really does. We did, we did, like, another, oh, we did, a show, we, we did another show with Tim Key last week, and he said after the gig, he, what he, he's like, about me and Tim, was, you're such fans of comedy. Mm. And it is yeah, it's true. It's And, and your, your love doesn't seem to dwindle, even after watching us die on our asses and cock things up and you're like Do you still like comedy <laughs> i'd say worryingly for the universe our love if anything <laughs> grows ever brighter <laughs> well it's it is it's charming and we love it uh now joe please talk am i right in thinking right i've got to ask this from the off the yeah. book is during lockdown with the online shows were these the tales from this book that you that you were telling or is that something else Something else. No, I was I was writing these. Um, well, yeah, I've got a book out, haven't I? <laughs> and uh, they're they're cartoon stories, and I was I was writing them in lockdown, um, but as a separate thing because the stories have to. It's really weird. Stand up is is all about sort of like misdirection and reveals and all that sort of stuff. But with a book, you can't write it like with a car cartoon story, you can't do that. So you have to write in a very different way. And I found that out. It's a different sort of um, way of writing. So you can't go, like in a lot of stuff, you go, oh, then you find out this bit of information. That's how that's I do it. You go, and then you surprise them with this. They didn't know that was happening and whatever. You can't do that. So it has to be like a a kind of visual joke that they can kind of understand as they read and look at it. So you go, oh, right, yeah, no, that won't work because I've I've told them that. And they've got no nothing to get from the picture, if you know what I mean. So, I do know what you mean. So writing the book is writing for I don't know. I hold this up. This one here. This is a uh, this story here is about God. I'm, am I doing this? Yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Um, it's about um, smuggling cocaine through an airport in a cuckoo clock, basically <laughs> at at midday, basically. So the cuckoo clock goes off. Basically. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, so the um the idea is that you know you kind of in the story you see the they're going through an airport and a cooker clock cart starts going off and you don't know and then he explains it so you can kind of go along with the story sort of thing so that's basically so it's a different type of writing that's a too long an explanation but that's a great explanation but because on lockdown you, you you did we're very grateful you did some of our online gigs and they were they were autobiographical, obviously, you know, jokes. Yes. So that, is that a separate project? Is that something else that you've got in the pipeline? That was um, that was for stand up. I was using those as a kind of um, well, I sort of started them because I couldn't bear the idea of doing these online gigs and just pretending to do stand up. 
found that really weird. So I thought I'll read some stuff. So I wrote some stories and and then um and then read them basically with mixed reviews. I believe some of them worked, some of them didn't, as is the nature. But um and then um then I, I've sort of tried to read them as sort of in in live stand up and as sort of as as a like kind of like an a break from just talking, if you know what I mean. So you just sort of go talk for thirty minutes and then go. I'll tell you a couple of these from my life, you know. Made yeah. But so did so did did some of them some of them survive from lockdown into the live in the room arena then? Yeah, about five of them, I think. I probably wrote about thirty, I think. Oh, that's good, man. Maybe, maybe less, maybe more. But yeah, like it's funny. It was quite interesting because the press when I write them, the pressure's off. I just write a stream. I've got an idea and then I, I write a stream of consciousness and then take out anything that bores me. What a process. <laughs> what a process. So, oh, look, I mean, look, Joe, you're, I mean, Jesus, what, your writing is absolutely extraordinary. And I, I, I won't burn any of your gear. <laughs> you can. It's, it's no, 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 no. I, I won't burn any of your gear. But where, where did that come from? Because you were, you were a designer, weren't you? I was a graphic designer, but not not a very good one, and I had no interest in it. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out, like when I, I I did graphic design, like I was I did graphic design at college and stuff because it was like, well, that just felt like it was less shit than doing accounts. Really, I'm quite good at maths. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could have been an accountant, probably, because oh, I think you like my missus is very creative, but she's also like she's like to make money she's done lots of organizing jobs and that bit of her brain has evolved so she's like really creative and very organized at the same time but like i think if i'd done an organizing job that bit of my brain would have expanded like hers because i think we're very similar but but because i've never done it that it's just disintegrated basically um but i just thought it, it was more it was sort of creative, but it turns out it wasn't creative. It was more fun than, you know, as they do a shit, a shitter job. But then it wasn't the creative that I wanted to do. But I also was um, at school, like I was bottom of the class in English and stuff like that. I was like really, I don't know if I, was, I don't know if I'm dyslexic or something, but I just didn't click at school. So there was no way I was going to do a job that involved writing because that would have shown deep down how thick I was in my head, you know. So I avoided it. And then when I got older, I just started writing. So how did you go How did you go from uh, graphic designer who wasn't enjoying graphic design to make to then making those first steps into stand-up? What did I do? Um, I, was t I was getting near 30, and I, I've always loved comedy, and I just thought I'll do one gig. And I'd always, I realised that I'd always been writing stuff down. So I had like, like 10, 20 books of stuff that was I'd written down and didn't know that that was stand-up. It was just, well, it wasn't stand-up, it was just stuff. So, but I don't know, God, this could sound really bleak, but when, when, you have, when you don't enjoy like your job or any part of that, you you find an outlet, don't you? You just go, well, I, I enjoy that. So I'd sort of go to the pub and just write whatever. 
I had a, I, I guess it was like a blog, but no one read it or whatever. And then, um, then I just thought I'll do one stand up gig and never do it again. Um, that was what I decided to do. I'm going to, like a bungee jump, I'm turning 30 in however many months, and I'll do one of those. And then, um, a guy called Tin and Dweeb, do you know? Yeah, lovely guy. He, he came up to me after that gig, which I know was bad. Steve Hall was there, lovely Steve Hall, who gave me some brilliant advice. It was one, buy a vibrating watch, and B, there's there was one good bit in there, which he was right. Oh, well, I don't know if it was good, but he was like, "There's a lot of dross." He was a, he he kind he said a kind way of saying there's a lot of dross, basically. But Tin and Dweeb said, "Oh, I'm I'm uh, I'm setting up a gig. Do you want to come and do it?" And it was like the following October. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're like, "Oh, okay." And then so I did another one and another one, another one, and then eventually um, I was doing a lot of them. But, was yeah. this Fat Tuesday? Fat Tuesday. I, did, I think I did the first ever Fat Tuesday. I went to that night as a comedy fan before I got into comedy. Okay, well, you saw my third, my second ever gig, I think. That was a that what what he had there was a re, I mean, well, the, no, no, sorry, the, the the one I, the one I, I I wouldn't have gone to the fact that one. I'd gone to some sort of anniversary gig. I remember Carl Donnelly Donnelly was on. The next act hadn't turned up, and Carl just that might be me. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember thinking, wow, you know, I th- even now that what he did there was next level stuff just to keep on going, keep I, on going. I, I saw uh, Donnelly really early. And I think one of my, my, I think my main gift in comedy is I can spot someone's good within a second. I think it's my only gift. Like I go, are they going to be good? Like, I don't know what it is. You know, you Do can you know, sense it. I feel the exact same way. That's like my one... Super oh really power. that's interesting you yeah. go they're going to be good and i said when i remember i saw carl really early on and i just went oh he's gonna be good and he was i don't know why i think it, that was the first time i I knew i had the gift the I, gift I, of spotting i used to play sunday league football and the best player on the team said he can tell how good a player is from their first touch oh but i think brutal. but i think that but i think yeah. it's the same sort of thing with what you and i are talking about with comedy yeah, yeah. now i must say this when it comes to football I'm not saying that my first touch is bad, but my second touch is a tackle. <laughs> That's great. I, uh, I'm, I'm in my head. I'm going. I'm secretly quite pleased with my touch, but I don't think. I think your friend would see through it, though. That's my... <laughs> but then, well, then, when did you start popping, Joe? Because then, I mean, uh, well, when when was the when was the the breakthrough because it happened for you it happened when it happened it felt like it happened quite quickly with there was the sitcom and um, then there was what well, what like to get and get out of the melee is what i think of it is um ages took ages uh but what happened was is i i started doing edinburgh festivals to very like it doesn't sound like i'm showing off but to very small audiences and uh, yes, we did have to tape off rows of seats every night for all the years we did it. And uh, <laughs> never did you ever get momentum in Edinburgh? No, we didn't. Um, <laughs> surely you did an Edinburgh bait type act. Yes, but no one cared. <laughs> Literally, no one fucking came. Look, acts. Every room around us fucking. Walking past queues of people to go in to see other acts. 
fucking hell. Oh, they've done well. And you can hear the the sound of um, masking tape being <laughs> as we. Lloyd Lloyd Griffith doing the sound effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Part sellotaping off different rows. People use the first two, otherwise it's fucking mental. What? But you're only doing a forty-five seater, aren't you? Yeah, we're taping off three rows. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but you're 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 quite um you're the kind of act that I thought would kind of find its place in Edinburgh. No, no, we haven't. No, really? Yeah, no, the opposite. Oh, right, that's that's frustrating. Mm, it is. You thought this would be the thing that would catch fire in Edinburgh, didn't you? I think deep down I did, but it, not. But isn't it the third year you're going, and it's still not? Yeah, yeah, no. No momentum, no, no. So anyway, <laughs> so that was our that was Edinburgh for me, Diane. Um, but one year, Stefan Golanewski came, who I was a big fan of from The Cowards with Tim and Tom and Lloyd. Brilliant! I used to go and watch their shows, and he. I remember sitting in Edinburgh having um, sold a third of the seats after the show, and uh, talking to Stefan, and he told me he had this sitcom just commissioned for bbc3 and it's like i remember being because re- i really liked him straight away i really liked him as a person and i was really pleased for him but i was also really i remember being really envious because i was like wow you write for a living now that's you that's and i knew i always knew that's where i wanted to get to you know writing for a living and stuff and that that sitcom turned out to be him and her and he he'd written the part of Dan with me in mind, but didn't never told me, having sort of seen Edinburgh or whatever. And then um and then I went and auditioned. And fucking luckily I got it because that'd be heartbreaking to but lucky, but I hadn't done the character or anything, but it was just I feel sick about that sometimes. Imagine like, you know, it's an open goal ish, you know. So it's you know, it's inside the box basically, with with a keeper on the floor, basically. And uh, but I didn't nose it up, and I got that, and then that changed everything because they um, they start seeing you as some like if you, you somewhat basically I, I don't I hope this doesn't sound horrible, but people start going oh someone else has used him maybe we can use him maybe he's not shit because well, I went to one of his Edinburgh shows and I assumed he was, <laughs> um, and, uh, and that's what happens basically it helps get one thing and you've got a chance of getting other stuff but i don't know how you get the first thing you need a massive amount of luck so um so yeah is that too long an answer i felt like it was it's an excellent answer was it oh great <laughs> and then and then cats happens from that and remember you did the rob bryden thing on bbc2 yeah like it was just it's just all sorts of stuff like because i didn't mean that awfully but all sorts of stuff happens for one not just two. if you if you get in something like Catherine ryan got People, I'm sure she don't mind, but she played a character in something as an acting job. Um, I want to say she, she did Badults, didn't she? She did a season of that Crosby sitcom. Before, before that, that, there was something about a college or something or a university or yes, something. Yes, the thing with her, her and Pasco did it. Oh, right. Pasco, Pasco yeah. was acting before, but I think that was maybe. And then a Channel 4 thing, wasn't it? About I think so. College. Then, and then people went, oh, maybe we should try and. Maybe we could use that lady, and then she turned out to be brilliant. 
But you know what I mean? But they, I, do. I might not, she might not have been given live at the Apollo or whatever it was, the next thing that kicked her on. So I think you need a bit of luck with that first thing and then people start to go, because it's hard, in t- I'm not knocking anyone, but like, it, it's hard to, you know, every, as soon as they book you, they're sort of putting their job on the line a bit, you know, going, ah, it was my idea to get Joe on. Fuck. You know. Um, so if you've done other stuff, they can go, but he was on that, so I assumed he'd be all right. I didn't think he'd do bits of his Edinburgh show. Um, you know, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, but then, I feel like Ian St. John's your Jimmy Greaves. <laughs> he, Ian St. John used to go, ah, oh, you crap me up, Greaves. <laughs> uh, and then Cats, I mean, that was just, that was a, that was an, a, an yeah, even that, bigger leap up, wasn't it? That was, I got lucky there as well, to be honest with you. Because I did, uh, I did that and I, right, you need, you need your first bit to go well, basically. And luckily mine did. And then the audience go, oh, he's all right. Because they don't know who you are. But did all right. And then the rest of the show is fine. And then you're sort of a bit more in. And every time you do it, you're a bit more in. And the audience trusts you more. And the easier it gets. Like gigs, you know, like open spot gigs are the toughest. And then like live at the Apollo is easier than well, having never been asked. He says this. And rightly so. <laughs> having, having, you know, they do they do troll Edinburgh. And uh uh, but like it's easier than um, than doing like an open spot night. You know what I mean? It, it is because the audience are on side and assume you're good. <laughs> Whereas you go to to an open spot night, they assume you're shit. And it's the same with like cats and stuff. You come on and go, I don't know who he is, assume he's shit. So you have to really, you know, like go well straight away. So I got lucky with something I said about about cash machines from the Edinburgh show. <laughs> It was. It obviously wasn't from the Edinburgh show. But but Joe, I hope you don't mind me, me saying this. It's a bit lovely of me to do this, but Joe um, Joe goes above and beyond on cats because when there's a new act, or, you know, someone that's not done before, you always make sure that they're okay. Don't you? you check in with them, which I think is uh, uh, nice yeah, touch. I, I, yeah, but yeah, you know, unless they're good. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, what, what he says is, if you tread over one of my punchlines one more time, I'll, I will I'll break every bone in your body. Yeah, 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 exactly. Just um, friendly stuff like that, you know. <laughs> well, it, it's um. Well, I just remember how nerve wracking it was, and uh, a couple of people did nice things to me when they had a bit further down the line, and I remember how how it calmed me down a bit, and I was like, you know, if you can help someone relax a bit, they will be better, and have a more chance of doing well. So it just seems like the, the the obvious thing to do, I think. If you think you can help someone, why why wouldn't you do that? Absolutely, you know? yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, the thing, you know, Jimmy Carr gets some bad press, obviously, because he says some quite outlandish things. But he's very supportive and stuff, and he and you know he he's confident in his own position in the industry. So he has never no sort of like I'm holding. I better hold that person back or whatever. He's like, I do my thing, you do your thing. Hopefully, there's space for all of us. So. He, he helps bring people through and you know, he did the same with me. He he uh he came to the Edinburgh show. God, my Edinburgh shows are getting brought up a lot when they really shouldn't be. But he uh and then he would promote it at the end of his show. You know, he's he's doing like a nine hundred seater and he would help, you know, try and get some numbers in. So that, you know, he didn't have to do that and that's 
you know, that's very kind and these things do help. So I always feel slightly embarrassed because I'm like, you know, there's a bit of me going, who do you think you are? You know, you're not, you know, to help out. But I don't, I just go, I just see myself as a couple of years in front. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like if you're in the third year of school and the first year is looking like they're about to cry, I like to think you'd go, don't cry. It'll make things worse. Pretend you're hard like everyone else and cry at home. <laughs> and then take the dinner money. Um, yeah, Jimmy, I've got a, Jimmy um, from warming up uh, a few cats down the years. He's uh, he's a great host and he's great with the newer acts and helping yeah, them along and encouraging yeah, he, them. And I think he's he, he, he's he, got he's got a unique talent as well, which is being in the middle of a show and being the ringmaster. Ringmaster is that the circus thing? It's very hard. Very few people can do it like juggle that many balls like be funny involve other people you know struck you know keep the structure of the show going and all that's bloody hard i can't do it now, now before we get to the fancy gig joe the, the the book it's when this by the time this comes out the book is out it's called joe wilkinson my autobiography illustrated by another comedy powerhouse in henry packer oh, so how did it, how did that come about because that is for any uh, comedy anoraks, and I include myself in that, that is a match made in comedy heaven. You and Henry. Well, he, he's right. I'm, I'm, we'll show, look, look, I, I'm. Look at, look at his, look at the type of illustration. Look at the. Um, but I mean, the illustrate. Joe is holding up the book. The yeah. illustrations are. They're phenomenal. Extraordinary. And so, I take very little credit, but um, Henry and I, I, I had the idea of doing. They asked me if I wanted to write a book, and then I was like, I don't really want to write an autobiography. So I did come up with the idea of doing a sort of silly one, which was basically a comic book. And then I spoke to Henry, and I'd seen his stuff. It was amazing. And then he, I'd send him the, you know, the, the script, if you like. You know, this is the first square. This is the second square, you know, and then da, 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 da. And I never could, I, it blew my mind every time what he sent back. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm I'm involved, but I'm definitely I'm <laughs> definitely not the genius. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck!" It was so, it was so good, and then so I had this amazing like year or two of kind of receiving these amazing illustrations and going, "Right!" So rarely I can big things up, but because like how how great I think he is. So he's a brilliant illustrator, but with amazing comic brain. So we'd have had so many jokes in the pictures and stuff and I, i'm still finding stuff now little easter eggs he's put in and stuff it's crackers yeah so anyway probably should i mean, I mean we talk about ones. great comedy brains i mean his it's a shame he doesn't gig more isn't it i he, I, I love how, how how his brain works he's so funny and so quick like his podcast is great three bean salad that well, they're all three of them are really funny so but yeah he he, I, I was quite when we spoke to him on Chatterbix the other day, and I was quoting back stuff to him, and I could tell he was, I had to pack it in because he was squirming. But he's got some of my favourite jokes, and I, and every time I quoted them back on the pod, I was like, God, I am not doing this justice. <laughs> People are going, I think he's rubbish. <laughs> and I was like, uh, Sorry, no, it's definitely me. I'm doing the damage here. <laughs> he 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 had that bit about people who move out of London. I don't know if you've ever seen that. God, just it just escalates and escalates that so it's he says oh yeah he goes yes. we all know somebody who's moved out of london and make out that it's not a big deal oh so and is this it where 
all it is is you get a tube, then a bus, and then you get on a horse, go across a river. And doesn't it turn into the chicken, the fox and the... All of that. Uh, yeah. And then there's some sort of, you know, there's a drawbridge that he's like crossed yeah, over to another right, dimension yeah. or, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah you, you've got to you know, pay the goblin with three slotties, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's that sort of... Yeah, yeah amazing. I do remember that. I, I quoted back the one which was... Um, when you remember when widescreen came out, he was talking, it was around then, and he goes, He goes, I was what I got, got widescreen telly for the first time and put on match today. Turns out, uh, Ian Wright's been sat just to the left of the camera the whole time. <laughs> just wasn't in, just wasn't in shot. <laughs> it made me laugh. Why, why? Why does he not? This is such a fan question. Does he not gig just because he's, he's so busy with other stuff? I think so. Yeah, and like, I guess, like myself, I think I was like oh, because I started late. I was like, I can't be gigging around when I'm fifty six. You know what I mean? Like, put a few more irons in the fire. You know what I mean? Like, I think gigging to build something up or a bit of fun or, or whatever is is great at a certain age but you know like i think if it became my one and i think henry's mother saying my one thing i was doing i think that would scare me because i'm like you know if i'm if i'm having to have gigs install stanner stair lifts to get me above the pub you know the room above the pub it's so i think there's a touch of that you know what i mean like um right in and he's just he's he's in demand you know what i mean he's he, he writes so well and stuff, so I think he had options. So I guess it, uh, the stand up fell away a bit. Is there now for, for you before we crack on? Is there anything else coming up that we might not know about that you have coming out? Um, no, no, I don't think so. Well, you know, I'm doing stand up, but I don't, as you know me, I don't want anyone to know that. <laughs> oh, we can tell the story, can't we, as to why we don't list you? Oh, fucking hell! Oh, I did I tell you about the other one the other day as well? No, fucking hell! Right. I well tell tell you well the one the one that happened with you. So I was doing I was doing some crowd work at Always Be Comedy. Joe's on the bill and there's a uh, trying new material like I always do basically. Couple on the front row. Where are you from? I think they're from like let's say Boston. It wasn't Boston. I think it was like the East Coast. But anyway, it was Boston. It was Boston. Yeah. Where are you from, Boston? And and I've got this running joke. I do it at gigs. I do it at warm ups. If someone's from another country, I go what? And you've you've flown all the way from you know. Hmm. New Zealand, just to, you know, the, uh, I did a warm up the other day. Someone from from New Zealand. Yeah. What you you fall though from New Zealand just for this, you know? And for the first time ever, someone <laughs> went yes, and <laughs> I was like, oh my god! And it turns out they just got married, and for their actual honeymoon, hmm. had flown from Boston purely to see Joe Wilkinson in a room above a pub. Oh, Twenty minutes of new <laughs> in Kennington. <laughs> To get, and we and they said, oh yeah, we we love Joe Wilkinson. We watch him on BBC America or something like that. And we've oh. so far honeymoon. But we we said afterwards, we were like, what if what if you'd had a cold? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, COVID's quite you know a thing. People do get put. I know it scared me. So <gasps> I had I had one in Brighton. I because I, I, I say look, don't oh, such a tight saying, but don't list me because I don't I don't want the pressure of people having travelled. Because I don't do a lot of stand-up, so I think people go, "I oh, will travel," and you know that's fair. It's lovely, it's amazing, but also it puts a lot of pressure on like new material. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but someone again someone came over like they they listed me last minute and someone flew over from dublin with his um with his mate who was like and they were like in their 70s and i was like <sighs> and i just imagine them kind of getting on the plate they weren't they they looked a little bit fragile <laughs> I was like, oh, you should, no, I, fuck. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just, uh, it's such a selfish way to look at it, but I'm like, I just need to try this thing about flip-flops or whatever, you know, and you go, oh, that didn't work. Bye, James. Thanks, Tim. Bye. Not, oh, I'm sorry. Can I reimburse your flights? Because that was shit. <laughs> there was one time at the Tommyfield years ago and you were just you were literally about to go on and the guy came in from the break oh. and as he sat down touched Joe on the arm and he went I've, dri- <laughs> I've driven all the way from Shrewsbury <laughs> to see you have you looking at my sheet of paper <laughs> oh god <laughs> thanks oh, for telling me now <laughs> oh dear <laughs> yeah, um, but right lovely then. I shouldn't complain but I it just scares me that's all I, like it's just letting people down, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, that's the, oh, yeah. the way I can't help it. I go, I'm so sorry. I think, I think the, the, there is a theme, uh, always be comedy, the acts that we book. Uh, the theme is self deprecation. I remember, uh, one of the first times Steen Raskopoulos played, I think he got an encore, you know, like he'd like roofed it. And even after that, he said something so self deprecating. And I was like, oh, you're, you're so my <laughs> cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no self belief. Uh, Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> would you like to middle or close steam get your diary out <laughs> yeah we're gonna book you for the next four years right then joe you are you're curating your ideal gig do you i'm intrigued do you have any pre-gig rituals um well, yeah learn the stuff I try to. <laughs> so you're not like there's no like performing the sign of the cross have to have a you know I have it always have it written on my hand. I got I told you I got ink poisoning when I was no. gigging, when I was gigging a lot. Yeah, I've got ink poisoning. My hands swelled up, swelled, swelled, swelled. Yeah, a little bit. And my it ached the whole time and it was because I was the back of my hand went grey. Yeah. So that was weird. That's the only thing I do, yeah. Um, that is what do you, do you have to go to hospital? No, just someone said stop writing on the back of your fucking hand, you idiot. Um, but I didn't, but I just gig less. And I, um, all right. <laughs> I thought I'd just gig less. Um, but also, I write the set list down like this every time. I have to put a dot by the side of it. Don't know why. And I have to put the dot next to the, on my hand. It's, it's, a, it's, I write, I write it on a, I write, I write on a bit of paper what I'm going to do. And then I mess around with it. Then I write it in this book or a series of these books. Look, so it's set with the with the date that the gig. Well, let's go. Let's go to the last one because it was yours. So, look. Oh no, it wasn't. It was that other one I died at. Right here. <laughs> oh, no, there's another one before. So always be comedy. <laughs> always be comedy. Eleventh, first uh, of the eleventh, twenty twenty three. The set with all dots down the side, and then afterwards, I, I kind of give myself a score, which is either a tick, a half, a quarter two thirds or three quarters and it's and then if there's a problem with the end i'll write end and that's basically what i do let's just go to this one here the let the the 11th of the ninth uh four halves two crosses one tick <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that 
which means pretty much most of it didn't work well. <laughs> I think, listener, I think you can tell Joey's <laughs> to say Joey's Joey's harshest critic would be one of the great understatements. He probably, he probably got a standing ovation that night. Uh, put a put a half down for that one. Uh, who MCs the gig, Joe? Right. Can I theme like you said? You can theme it, Joe. And I thought I'm going to theme it. I want to recreate a gig. I did a not a show. I did a mixed bill gig in Edinburgh years ago called the Comedy Bucket, and uh, we we called we called it the Comedy Bucket because we wanted it to sound as shit as possible. It was either between the Comedy Bucket or the Comedy Trough. When, when I was on the open mic circuit, there was a there were there were open mic gig called, called, gigs called the Comedy Bin. <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably better. Talk about Saint Stoller. I did Comedy Bin gigs pretty much every <laughs> single night of the week. But we, we settled on Comedy Bucket, and uh, it was we 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 uh, it was seventeen years ago, and the four people I did it with, we still meet every few months for a curry. Outstanding. Um, and uh, it's probably it's one of my favourite things in my life. Where um, we we call it the bucket curry, so it's my what the WhatsApp's called the bucket curry, and we go we haven't had a bucket curry for a few months. When so the last one was last Wednesday in Ballam. Oh, Joe! And uh, they're four of my favourite people in the world, and so my th- idea of the theme is basically we did this. <laughs> Easy, but, but sorry, I'm. <laughs> Lovely little round of applause for a really, um, really bad idea. My heart, my heart is swelling at this. Oh, really? Well, that, that's nice. But so, what I thought we could do is like we 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 had really good fun. It was like we we struggled to fill the like eleven minutes each we had to do, uh, and then sometimes like some of us couldn't be asked to do it, so we just get someone else in to replace us, and sometimes didn't tell. So I thought I could tell you about the bucket and then go. Pop a couple of um, people in who might have replaced whoever to come in. <laughs> you know, like if we could have replaced anyone with anyone, who would replace them with? So I'll tell you about the comedy bucket. It was Matthew Crosby, Alistair Green, uh, Arnold Chander, and John Nichols slash. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what's uh, uh, Dave Nick? Sorry, Dave <laughs> John Gordon slash Dave Nichols. Right now, John Gordon doesn't do comedy anymore. He's a uh, what's it? A pensions lawyer. <laughs> and uh, he he was unbelievably funny and like in a in a way that he was the real deal. He was slightly mad, like took risks, not realizing he was taking risks. And he also when he started comedy. He didn't want to use his own name, so he used his best mate's name. <laughs> <laughs> so for <laughs> for like three years, we knew him as Dave, Dave, and then he admitted that was uh, so. John Gordon's his real name, but he was he was uh, he was known as Dave Nichols. <laughs> and then we had to. It took about four years to phase him out of being Dave <laughs> to John. <laughs> so that's one of the one of the many things that made him amazing. So he was like our closer, basically, because he he could do like hours, improvise for hours, basically. But like he'd always say, oh, "I'm only going to do two minutes. 
I'm getting it on. And then don't do about 28 minutes. So he, uh, but anyway, so I'm jumping ahead. Matt Crosby tended to MC though. So he, he's my MC basically. For the, for Great the choice. Yeah. Now Crosby, I mean, flaming heck. What impact he's had on on comedy this past what 15, 20 years? Yeah, he's he's won the Perry uh, nominated for the Perio twice with Pappies. Um, also said my he 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 created one of my favourite moments in comedy ever when he was emceeing his gig. In, he's if he's listening to this, he goes, he's telling this fucking story again. <laughs> but so he basically he he used to emcee this gig, and uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna. It's not going to come across that well, but it's my favourite thing. Not not come across well, but you're going to go, is that, that's one of your favourite moments? Is that it? But when you saw his little face, he's he's created a couple of my favourite moments. I'll tell you the other one as well. But basically, he was um, he was talking to the audience and he said to this lad, what do you do? And he goes, this guy worked for, the uh, was a waiter at the Harvester. And then he talked, and he talked to him for a bit and then he went on to someone else and he said, what do you do? And he goes, this person said, I work at the to Toby Carvery. And Matt Crosby went, oh, oh, got a oh, bit of rival here. I don't want to start a turf war, or should I or should I say a surf and turf war? Oh, come right? on. <laughs> come on. And I was like, that's it. But the audience gave him nothing. Oh, God. Right? <laughs> right? Come on. And so Matt basically <laughs> told them why, why it was good in the moment. Like, he didn't say it was like, he said... And it made me laugh so much because he's going, like he they both serve surf and turf, <laughs> and I made that all up. And it made me laugh because he was so like couldn't believe it. It got nothing, and he just went on for about ten minutes going why, <laughs> why they, uh, why they, <laughs> they should have given him more, and it's still I think about that every now and then, and I don't <laughs> laugh my head off. <laughs> But like, it was his own gig, so he's only ruining his own gig. He was going, but I didn't know he worked at a Toby Carvery, and I didn't know that she worked at Harvester. And I just, so the fact I did that in the moment is, and they're like, do you, you realise how good that was? <laughs> yeah, and they, and he just wouldn't let it pass. I'm going to bring our next night. Hang on, sorry, just one more yeah, time, that, just to explain. I was laughing so much. It is how how wound up he was that they didn't give him more so that that was um that was really good fun and then the other one was uh um he went on before me at the gong show basically <laughs> and uh and i went on after him and, and i got through the five minutes and if you get through the five minutes they give you the video but what they they do they do give you like a video of it but you get the sort of act before and after and I, I'll tell you about the other act doing this very dodgy bit of material. But Matt went on before me and told his Abraham Lincoln material that he knows never works. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just, you could hear a pin drop <laughs> as he does the punchline. And then these three red cards go up in shot, which is the, you know, they put the red cards up three, you get three red cards from the judges at the front. You're out. And uh, you just see pop, pop, pop. <laughs> and then they gong him off. And he, he does this really like, like Scooby-Doo type sort of... Shucks. Uh, shucks sort of punch across the air to himself and walks off. 
<laughs> and I used to, when I had a video player, I used to pop that on quite a lot and make myself laugh. But Matt, like a 300 seater room, like goes so quiet and then because he got red carded off. So yeah. So Matt Crosby is my MC. Uh, superb. Right. So who opens then? Right. Who, who opens would be who, like we all took it in turns opening at the comedy bucket, but I am going to, who am I going to, I think, I think we would have made it our Alistair Green open. Al the stick. Al the stick. I know, I knew him as Al stick for years, but he's now Alistair Green. Um, but he would, we would have made him open because he had some material that worked. <laughs> so <laughs> we would have probably made him open. Um, he used to have a bit of material that we still quote back to him. But he, no, he quotes back like about mice having mice. So 17 years ago, we, he, <laughs> it gets brought up. He, he has a bit about um, <laughs> um, like a mouse crapping in his. I don't know, I can't remember it, but we just, yeah, he had a bit of mouse material that worked. <laughs> so we opened with him. But um, he he's one of the most naturally funny people to walk the earth. And uh, it took a long time for the for the, for for people to catch on for some reason. And now obviously he's massive on social media and stuff. But he was, he's been brilliant from day one. Um, so, uh, yeah, Al would open, but uh, would underrun. I do think people should check. Uh, I, I'm sure most people know who he is, but he's so funny. And, I mean, what? what and, I mean, and, sorry, go on. No, I just like he he quickly became like my best mate in comedy very very quickly, and we all, all of us, all the bucket kind of found each other really quickly. So we had this little gang of mates. But I think Al, I met Al when I did the. Um, well, we actually met doing, I think we met properly doing the Laughing Horse final. Yeah. <laughs> grim. But I remember doing the um, uh, Wednesday night at the Comedy Caf, and I thought mine had gone all right. And then Al had come. If you if you won the little Wednesday night competition at the Comedy Caf, you came back and closed. That's right. The 10 minutes the following week. And he came back. It's the first time I saw him when I went, oh, no, I didn't do very well. I thought I'd done quite well. And I was like, no, I've got a long way to go. That that, <laughs> that man there is exceptional. And he was fucking brilliant. And he'll hate me saying that. But he was just, I was just like, fuck me. And I was like, he must be like 10 years in or something. And someone said, no, no, he started about eight months ago. It's like, fuck <laughs> He, he, he don't always be comedy a few times not for a while i mean we'd love to have him back and you know a top dude as well but again it's that thing great comedy brain great angles he does a bit he did a bit about um he did a bit about amdram plays hmm. the flowers that was that was the bit <laughs> i mean so i mean it's not the worst thing ever but so, so funny yeah he but another one we talk about like having like just naturally funny everything 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 he does is funny so he he opens only because he's he you know he's got mice material that works <laughs> but then, I mean, and then also i mean he's one of these guys where talk about a good decision to get the old phone out oh what with his videos they're so funny they're so brilliant and 
like I think he started in lockdown, didn't he? And it just it was frustrating for me because I was like, now you're getting it. Fucking hell. Why has it taken this long for the world to go, this guy's fucking brilliant? It's mental. To the extent where, and I put myself on, on in this group, you you were you you'd be counting the moments down for the new video. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is so good and so consistently good. I went to see his show that Tim Tech. It was so funny, and then he did a Q and A for about an hour afterwards, and it was so funny him just answering questions and being an idiot. It was yeah. So so Al has the honour, and in the, and this gig is called the Comedy Bucket, so he gets the honour of. Uh, uh, start you know, opening. I should know what it's called. Opening for the comedy bucket. Superb. So who who's in the middle? The middle is uh, Arnab Arnab Chanda, who and um, who basically I saw again like really early on, and he he was he he's a he's uh, he grew up in America in around New York way, I think. And uh, he had that, he sort of got a bit of Dimitri Martin about him and just wrote really funny jokes and just stood really still and was really funny and then hated himself <laughs> as he's doing it. And I just thought, oh, I like this lad. And he was really young, brilliant. And he won all the competitions, I think. He won every single one of them, I think. And uh, almost got it too quickly. Like Everyone was like going, do you want to do 40 minutes in Portsmouth or... We used to take the, he won like junior, we called it junior junglers, basically, which was like, they ran a stand-up competition, he won that. And the prize, unfortunately, was to do lots of junglers gigs. And I think it like broke his spirit a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I immediately loved him because he he sort of hated himself as he, as he was telling the jokes. And then in, in, a, in the comedy bucket, <laughs> that year when we did the bucket, I think there was like three... Edinburgh competitions up there and I think he entered two and won them both like he just oh my gosh but he did his set wrapped up because he was so embarrassed about like his set or doing stand up whatever that he wrapped he he did his whole thing to the back to the audience or wrapped in the back curtain so you couldn't see him and he was still brilliant he was still really really funny and that and also what I mean, that's such a shame that that that's what happened with the the jungles thing because if he'd done it on his own terms at his own pace i i think he'd still be doing like he uh, <sighs> like he he still pops up in stuff and because everyone still loves him but like he did i went to see simon amstel at the chapel a few years ago and uh arnold still uh he's mates with amstel and he still supports him occasionally and so the chapel's like 800 people so um kitson was comparing and then it was arnold and then uh, Amstel and Kitson said Daniel Kitson said uh, one of those brilliant people that unfortunately stopped uh, or, you know almost too good so stopped and he's right he was so good but you know I can't speak for Arnie like whether he did stop for that reason but I feel I think you know I think that's sort of what happened a little bit but yeah he he he, he I, I immediately thought oh like Matt Al John and I saw him straight away and thought they were brilliant. But yeah, he 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 was just yeah, so brilliant. Um, but yeah, showing me done. I remember in Lee, in Lee Mac's book, uh, Mac the Life. It's a really good book, and he 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 sort of comes to the conclusion. He used to think 
I, I so get this. He used to think that comedy, you've either, you've either got funny bones, you can do it or you can't. And then over time, he's realized that some people, it's almost like a war of attrition. And just by virtue of still doing it, yeah. end up working out how to crack yeah. the code and, and it happens yeah. for them. And yeah. then heartbreakingly, you see, you do see brilliant people knock it on the head. Yeah, I think like Arnob had, like, I think he worked it out. Maybe it was, wasn't as much of a challenge as well. Maybe like, wow. it must be weird, like a year and a half in and you just sort of won every competition and like you're the best in your year or whatever. And uh, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll hate me talking about this as well. But I remember, I met, I honestly, on my life, remember each of the four people that I'm still friends with. I remember the first time I saw each of them do stand up and immediately was like, who are they? Um, but yeah, I remember Arnie was in, in um, a pub in, what was it called? It was upstairs at the Queen's Head in Soho. Denman Street. Denman Street, that's right. And uh, upstairs and the, you come in the door and the stage is right in front of you. About 14 people in the audience as per. Yeah, and that's that's when I met Arnie. I'll say a story about, De about <laughs> Denman Street. When you're open mic acts, there's like 20 of you on the bill doing five minutes each. Oh, yeah. And I was one of the new act. I was one of the acts. And the MC goes, she goes, um, she's got the she's got a sheet of paper in her hand. And she looks at she, she goes, oh, my God, your, ne your next act is one of my favourite acts on the circuit. <laughs> and I'm stood by the door thinking, I mean, we've gigged together a couple of times, but what a lovely, what a lovely uh, testimony <laughs> that is. One of my absolute favourite acts on the circuit, and then before she got me, then before she gets me on, <laughs> she goes, uh, she looks at the sheet again and goes, "Oh no, sorry, no, it's not." No. James, James, James Gill. Al tells a story about. Um, I'm going to say monkey the name of it, monkey business. The bloke who runs monkey business. He went. Al went on doing ten minutes, and uh, the MC bloke who runs it went. Um, the act you've just seen did 20 minutes and I paid him uh, because he's a professional act. Uh, the act you're about to see is doing 10 minutes. He's, I'm not paying him. Uh, he's not professional. Uh, he's doing half the time. Um, so he's half as good. Please work on the stage. Alistair Gray. <laughs> the worst one I ever saw. Now, th this is bad, bad. A guy, guy went on stage. I don't know if you can use this, but he was like sort of in a in a suit, and he went hi, and he came up and he had an energy which I hadn't seen before. He was like, "What's going on here?" And he went, "Ah," and he goes, oh, "I wasn't sure I was going to do this gig to today. I, I really thought I wouldn't do it." And he goes, "I um, I buried uh, a relative today," and uh, he goes, "I wasn't going to do it," and and he, and he's like this, and he's like breaking down on stage. He goes. No, no, I should, shouldn't have done it, shouldn't have done it, and, they, and he leaves. And then the MC comes back, this is on, uh, upstairs, at the, downstairs, downstairs at King's Head, and the MC comes on and goes, you ready for your next act? <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> Just got the next person on. Didn't deal with it at all. <laughs> Let's <laughs> keep that energy in the room! <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, who were uh, right? Who closes this juggernaut? 
John Gordon, Dave Nichols, slash Dave Nichols. Because what would always happen, he was different. I'll tell you about John in a minute, but we'd go, we'd go, fucking hell. Like, four of us would have been on. And we'd go, fucking hell, I haven't done 28 minutes. John, you're going to have to do <laughs> 32 minutes. <laughs> and he would do it with ease. Did one set in French, like broken French. He, he tried to work out all he did his material and then someone wasn't laughing and he went back and tried recreated his whole stuff in pidgin french back to them uh and it was so funny because he was just watching a man try and work out how to say like cloaking device in french or whatever um but yeah he could ju- he was just yeah he was our ace in the pack basically because he could so just, good he, he was amazing and uh what was the what? I was going to say, oh yeah. So we, me, Al, John, and Matt and Arnold used to go to up the creek on a Sunday to try stuff because um, Will and Will Briggs ran it, and he he started around the time time that he started running gigs around the time we started gigging, and like he sort of saw that Al and loved Al, so he used to get Al on a lot, and then Al, I, I met Will through Al and stuff, so we'd go quite a lot on the Sundays, and so I was sitting there with him. <laughs> With uh, John and uh, Al, and, and John's going, uh, "Fuck, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die tonight. Oh, this, uh, they're gonna hate me." And he's like, "Why?" He goes, "Because I'm doing, um, I'm doing my stuff on cloaking devices." <laughs> and John's like, "What's your stuff on cloaking devices?" And he goes, "Oh well, what? Why won't they? Why won't they? Um, well, first of all, Al said we'll do something else." And John's like, "Well, it's, it's in my head now." And I was like, you've got loads of stuff, just do something else. He's like, but that, John wouldn't argue, he just wouldn't understand why, <laughs> why, even though he knows it's not going to work. And then he goes, he was like, Al would go, well, what's the problem? Why, like, we're, our sign sort of, not panic for him, we go, well, let's sort this now. And he goes, he goes, because like, mm, do you know what cloaking device is? Because I didn't at the time. No. Like, no, it's, well, no one does. Like, so cloaking device, I think it's something to do with, which is something on like um, military planes that makes them oh, right. to, to radar. Basically. Sure. Right. Okay. So, so um, like he's going, it doesn't work because like 90% of people don't know what cloaking devices are. So Al says, well, just tell them what a cloaking device is. And John just says, well, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so he went up and me I don't know I think it was just me and Al there that day me and Al were like that fucking hell here we go and and I'll, I'll have to do it but John had the he used to make me laugh so much I'll have to stand up to do it but John was like he's quite twitchy and he's we all do this impression of him so I'm sure he won't mind but this is what he does on stage he, he like this and he just slides about like this like his back foot's like that and it's so weird it's so funny but he's not doing it for any effect it's just what he does and uh and the thing about john it looked like it like a suit like so he's dying because they don't know what cloaking devices is and the thing you got to say like they they start heckling him oh and my we go, god no like this is the mad thing about john we go oh thank god as soon as you heckle john you know the gig's going to be fine because John is so funny and so brilliant and deals with hecklers in such a weird way. 
we we relax. If people start shouting at him, we know the gig's going to be amazing, and he's going to do about forty-five minutes because he's just mad. And it's like giving Messi a through ball. Yeah, he, and then we'd go, "Oh, thank God!" They started shouting at him, and then he would just like deal with it in a really weird, funny way and be amazing. And so me and Al sort of relaxed at the back, having a pint, going, "Ah, oh, it's fine now." They're shouting at him. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. But he, so... He's the real deal. John, yeah, I, I sometimes get sad that, like, he was... Like, I tell you also, he his first ever gig was the heat of... Um, the heat of the BBC, where he uh, which he won, the first ever gig, knocking out Russell Kane. And his second gig was the... Uh, the... Um, what do you call it? The final of it the second ever one which is televised <laughs> and he did different material in the first gig and the second gig oh my <laughs> gosh yeah <laughs> but, I, yeah. but i guess again doesn't miss it no and like i we sort of start asked him why don't he goes he, he just goes because i'm a pension lawyer <laughs> they're like yeah right he goes yeah he goes yeah that's what i do i'm a pension lawyer he just did it for a bit of fun and just happened to be one of the best people to ever do it it's just yeah i do get a bit sad when i think he's not doing it. but when we meet up he's just he makes me laugh so much because he just he just thinks differently and like says stuff that you can't ever predict and it's just rare but yeah so that those yeah my i'm i'm a massive admirers of all of them uh and i'm very lucky to still be having curry with them every few months beautiful the the, the guys that quit for the for the normal life you know whatever normal is I do always think of that bit on the Jerry Seinfeld documentary comedian, you know, the, Oh, through the, uh, through the window. How do people live like that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I'm, I'm a bit of an admirer of people that stop as well because. Oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I go, yeah, you don't need it. It's, you know, you've, you found your path and good luck. And, you know, I, we, you know, we still beat up and talk about, stupid things and he's still in my life so that's you know that's good that's beautiful and the curry thing that's fantastic oh yeah 17 years we've been doing it we're we're, we're trying to work out what we're going to do for our, our 20 year anniversary where we're going to have it should go to delhi or something have a, have a curry in delhi or 20th anniversary gig <laughs> oh, do you know what that would be so none of them would agree to do it <laughs> You, you and Crosby might agree to it. Al, I don't even think Crosby's got loads going on. He can't be asked. <laughs> Joe, is there an incident that you would love to somehow reenact at this gig? Um, I saw uh, an MC at a gig get cramp in both his legs <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> it was one of the fucking weirdest, funniest things I've ever seen. So. <laughs> What happened was he was just talking. So I was at the front look, look, looking at my notes, right? No, sorry, it's fucking madness looking back. And uh, so he's just talking away about a wedding or something, and uh, he goes, uh, uh, and it's like legs sort of shoot forward, and he falls back on the floor, and like. Like everyone, my first things I was up going, fucking is he all right? What the fuck? You know, like I don't know if he had a heart attack or straight. 
and he got up. He uh, he went, oh, uh, and everyone was like, the fuck. <laughs> and he went, oh, sorry about that. I just got cramp in both my legs at the same time, right? <laughs> Which is the point. I lost it and was laughing. But then he went back into material. <laughs> I was like, why are you not discussing the fact that you got crap in both your legs? It's insane. And he was just going, so the wedding, they had chicken, they had... And I was like, who gives a fuck about your sister's wedding? Just got crap in both your legs on the stage. Um, so if we, it'd be hard to recreate, but that would be uh, something I'd travel for. <laughs> oh my god brilliant uh is there an incident that must not happen at this gig uh, i i think everything that's happened has sort of had had some uh like m me and al did a gig like if it was listening to it, i'll just say ponder's end and al will have a little shiver but we went <laughs> um a good friend of mine pete lovely man used to be a bouncer worked in the sex shops in so her and stuff, brilliant man, love him to bits. But he put this gig on, and he was like, oh, "I can do this gig." And then you know, got out there, and I was walking around Ponder's End, which is like in near Enfield. I was there last year, actually, weirdly, and I, I I couldn't remember where the pub was. But we're walking up Ponder's End High Street looking for this gig, and saw a pub on the left, and I was like, "Fucking hell, that's not a pub I'll ever go in." Like loads of Union Jack flags, and just a very hostile-looking pub. Walked up the thing. I was like, "This is the only pub on the bloody road." Or, or it was that pub. Got in, <laughs> and it was like just w white skinheads, basically. Anyway, me and Al were like, we went uh, um, went round and saw the right. Here's the pub. Here's the pub. Me and Al sat there having a pint, sort of laughing about it. Going, "This is insane." Anyway, a friend of a Canadian friend of ours, Greg, one of the loveliest men on the really upbeat. He comes in. He goes, "Hey guys, how we doing?" And uh, <laughs> so that's right. The gig's round the other side, and it's that's where it's full of the skinheads, basically. So he bobs in. I'll never forget this. Uh, bobs in like this, and he goes, "Hey guys, how you doing?" And Al goes, "Yeah, you right, quick." He goes, "Uh, where, where, is this where the gig is?" And I went, "Yeah, it's just round there." What, what did you have a look? <laughs> and Greg bounces off, comes back <laughs> like ash and fire. <laughs> Sits down and, like the most positive man in the world is just sitting there like like feeling faint and uh we're, we're laughing and then um mate, a few other acts turn up and everyone's going fucking on pete comes around and he and we're like pete this is a fucking shit show God. and he's like uh, starts begging us please do it please do the gig and we were like fucking all right and he goes right who's gonna go on first and everyone's going fuck fuck this i'm not going on first and pete who i know I'm the one who knows him best. He just takes me aside and goes, please go on first, please, please. <laughs> I was like, fuck it, all right. And so Pete, <laughs> Pete goes, he's emceeing. And I remember it so clearly. <laughs> he's like, um, he goes up and he goes, and all this mayhem starts. And he goes, he goes, uh, look, look, please, stop. all he says is, please stop shouting about, four or five times oh, please stop God. shouting please please stop shouting and then he gets me on and as i go up i'll just says to me fucking i'll just don't upset him <laughs> <laughs> and it's the only and i did upset him 
And then it's the only gig I've genuinely asked if there was a back way out. <gasps> yeah, yeah. And uh, there was. And I went to the back of the room and it was fine. Like they weren't going to chin me or anything, but they, I did piss them off a bit. Al went up and fucking smashed it. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He Well, he did, but he like he did well in, in the way that uh, you couldn't have got any more from it. And he didn't. He didn't do anything that you know. He did. He was just brilliant, rather than playing to the crowd. If you know what I mean, he was just. He's just like undeniably funny. And then um, we were in a really bad way afterwards, like in shock kind of stuff. And then we went. Um, we uh, it was when pubs. This is how long ago pubs closed at eleven, and uh, we were out. The the train come into like Far- Farringdon area or something, and uh, there was nowhere open. And we asked someone. And uh, they said, well, that place is open. And we were like, what's that place? Turned out to be a strip joint. And uh, me and Al, went in, there, there was a strip joint. We went in the door, we paid like a pound. Went right, and there's a back room where the strippers weren't. And we had like three or four pints just to join. So not actually in the strip joint. But every 20, 25 minutes, uh, a lady would come around with a pint pot. We'd have to put a pound in. Because obviously in there she was doing a dance. Yeah. We never saw the dance. And rightly so. That was that we we just had to pay a pound to keep drinking because that's what we did. We just needed a drink so badly. <laughs> and we just uh and but every time we uh I just have to say ponder's end to him and he'll he go, Don't fucking don't. Yeah, very very dangerous uh, gig that but outstanding. Out Joe, what incredible. so the very last question, how do you unwind after a gig? I don't really. Are you one uh, of those lucky people that can just go straight to sleep? I I think I've realised I don't have the I don't get the highs or the lows of other people. I think I might get the lows, but I don't definitely don't get the highs of other people because <laughs> people say to me like I couldn't sleep or I'm buzzing or whatever. I'm sort of missing that gene. I think I don't really get pumped like. I'm like literally if I'm tired after the gig, I'm literally asleep within minutes if I if I'm on the train or something. But people tell me they like need to I don't know, stay up for another three hours or something. I'm like, well, how'd you do that if you if you're getting home at eleven or twelve or whatever? So I think I'm missing that. So I don't really need to. Is that weird? Has anyone else said that? No, yeah, uh, only a couple of others. I, I wish I could relate to that. I still have to do something to unwind, even if it's like watching clips on YouTube or whatever, you know, or read. Um, well, I'm always quite analytical afterwards for the first 20 minutes, but putting big crosses next to the stuff or a third or half or whatever. That's great. Um, but yeah, and then, then I move on. And then, sometimes if I died badly, then it kind of keeps me up, or used to. I'd be like, fuck it. Well, it's just embarrassment, though, weirdly, rather than like being pumped, I'd just be so ashamed. I've only ever seen you do well, Joe, so I can't imagine. Well, oh, God, you should have joined me last on, on Monday. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Joe, jo, we, we, we couldn't be more grateful. That was uh, absolutely wonderful. So thanks ever so much. Uh, huge and heartfelt thanks to the great Joe Wilkinson. That card, that I think it was Joe got... Uh, one of our regulars, Joe, got us a card, Tim. 
and she, she'd put huge and heartfelt thanks in it. And I, 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 th- I don't think I sometimes realize how much I say it. Oh yeah, that's that's your sign off. It's another one for the bingo bingo card mark two. Um, Joe Wilkinson's book is out now. Joe Wilkinson, my autobiography, illustrated by Henry Packer. It is it is extraordinary. It is a work of art. It it marries Joe's comic genius with well Henry Packer's comic genius as well. It's a it's a a match made in comedy heaven. It's out now. The reviews, I mean, f- five out of five on Waterstones. Coupled with a five out of five on Amazon. I mean, the reviews are, are, are extraordinary. Uh, it's it's out now. Now, favourite memory. Tim, what's your favourite Joe Wilkinson memory? Mine are the Zoom online gigs he did with us. Oh, what a, oh, what a great choice. Because he did several for us. I think part of how he wrote the book was by rehearsing the material for us on the Zoom gigs. But also, it just little things that no one else did like the way he'd position himself in the room he'd have like a lens on in a camera like it was something I'd never seen like a weird fisheye lens it was just great it was really inventive and I just love I just love when someone would do something different with the online format and he was so good for that Joe Wilkinson has the air of as we said at the start very self-deprecating you might think he's a shambles of a guy because of the persona that you've seen live uh, on telly across various performances, especially with the iconic Cats performances. However, it probably doesn't surprise you that Joe works so hard on his comedy and takes it so seriously. And Tim, I'm going to say another bingo shout out, hits the nail on the head. But just that way of thinking, and like you say, the little flourishes, Tim, and the lens, and the way he utilised the space, and would deliberately put his face close to the camera to dominate the screen, to make people laugh at how he, how he, how he knew that he was looking for everyone at home. Um, he, he's, he is a, a, an incredible comedian. My favourite memory, I was warming up Stand Up Central for Comedy Central and shared a dressing room with Joe Wilkinson and the whole evening was spent when we weren't working the whole evening was spent exchanging showbiz anecdotes and stories and it's one of the one of my happiest (laughs) memories probably of my life because he's he's so he's so funny and uh you you know it's just lovely it was lovely exchanging stories and he's 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 a good friend and is a a, sorry oh my god (laughs) if you're playing bingo at home for this episode oh you might have got a full house um yeah top top dude and we we love him uh, very much it's always a treat when we uh, when we have him down his new book is out now any correspondence we are the team at alwaysbecomedy.com we are across the socials at always be comedy if you'd like to come to one of our shows we are alwaysbecomedy.com uh five star reviews keep them coming huge and heartfelt thanks please keep sharing across the socials tim any other business no other business tell you what tim next week's it's another doozy it's an absolute doozy yeah editing it now look really looking forward to everyone hearing it I think when when you see, when you refresh, you know, and the feed refreshes and you see who it is, you'll be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And they, I tell you what, mate, they were on great form. Oh, yeah, really good form. Yeah, a lot of great stuff there. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, have a great week, everyone. Tim, see you tonight. <laughs> see you tonight. Bye. Bye-bye-bye-bye. <laughs>